The Monday Investment Club is brought to you by Omnis Investments. This podcast is for information only and is not intended to be investment or financial advice. If you have any questions, please contact your financial advisor. Welcome back to the Monday Investment Club. I am Rohit from Omnis Investments, and today I am talking to our Chief Investment Officer, Robert Jeffrey. Hi, Robert. Hello, Rohit. Today, of course, we'd like to focus on the spring budget that Rishi Sunak announced last week. So I'll be talking to Robert in just a moment about that. First, a review of last week. After a week of ups and downs in stock markets, the major US benchmarks finished mixed as longer term interest rates continued their ascent. The S&P 500 ended up 0.8% during the week. The rise in rates again weighed on growth stocks and shares in smaller companies lagged those of larger ones. Energy shares did well as oil prices hit their highest levels in over a year, whilst technology stocks were broadly weak. The US Senate has voted to approve Joe Biden's $1.9 trillion stimulus legislation, taking the president's plan to stoke America's economic recovery a big step closer to its final passage in Congress. President Joe Biden also announced on Wednesday that every American adult should have access to vaccines by the end of May, two months sooner than his original timetable. On the economic front, the US economy created 370,000 new jobs in February, more than double the new jobs created in January, pointing to a sharp rebound in the country's labour market. Whilst the week did not see any additional inflation data, investors did keep a close eye on rising treasury yields as tensions between growth hopes and inflation fears rised. The chair of the Federal Reserve, the US Central Bank, stated once again the willingness to see inflation rise above 2%. In Asia, Japan's stock markets generated mixed returns for the week. The Japanese manufacturing sector grew in February for the first time in close to two years, with domestic manufacturers gradually recovering from the impact of the pandemic. Improving demands from key markets such as China had a positive impact on business confidence. On the flip side, the services sector saw a further fall in business activity, as measures to contain the spread of the virus remained in place in Japan. The Japanese government extended the state of emergency, which was set to end yesterday on the 7th of March, for an additional two weeks to combat the virus spread in Tokyo and three neighbouring areas. In China, shares fell in a choppy trading week as rising US yields and inflation expectations spilled into the country's stock market. China's official data for manufacturing and services in February came in below expectations. However, analysts were not alarmed by the weak data. Many workers who could not travel home for the Lunar New Year returned to factories earlier than usual, which should support activity in the near term. Strong export demand, rising domestic consumption and a faster pace of vaccinations are also seen as tailwinds for China's economy in 2021. In Europe, the Eurostox 50 ended higher 1%, buoyed by the prospect that easing restrictions implemented to curb the virus's spread and supportive monetary and fiscal policies could set the stage for an economic recovery. German Chancellor Angela Merkel extended lockdown restrictions until 28th of March. However, the country has also eased the rules in areas with low infection rates. Meanwhile, Italy blocked 250,000 doses of the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine slated to go to Australia, the first such intervention since the EU introduced rules governing the shipment of vaccines to countries outside the bloc. In the UK, the FTSE 100 returned 2.5%, lifted by Rishi Sunak's annual budget, which called for more fiscal stimulus, and the Office for Budget Responsibilities projection that the economy would recover sooner than expected. 
The index also benefited from a weaker British pound, depreciating to 1.38 US dollars per pound, down from 1.39 the previous week. The domestically focused FTSE 250 returned 0.3%. On the COVID-19 front, pupils returned to school today in the first step to ease lockdown. From a vaccination point of view, more than 8 in 10 people aged 65 to 70 have been vaccinated and as of Saturday, over 22 million people had been given the first dose. The UK is now expanding the vaccination programme to those aged 56 and over. Rishi Sunak delivered the 2021 spring budget last week and pledged £65 billion of additional fiscal spending in the short term and a temporary tax break for business investment. He extended welfare payments and the job support programme until September. But most individuals will have to pay more tax over time and corporate taxes would rise to 25% in 2023. Much has already been said of the specifics of the budget. So what I want to do today is pick Robert's brains on the bigger picture. What does it mean for the UK economy? To many people, there weren't any huge surprises in the budget last week, especially given the media coverage in the days before. But some people might have been worried that the lifeline that the government had given people and businesses to survive the pandemic was maybe going to be taken away. But this was not the case. I guess for me, the budget very much felt like an extension of the measures we already had in the last year. And then a message that we'll think about repaying this further down the line. But Robert, what was your take on last week's budget? Well, I kind of agree, Um, certainly in that there weren't any major surprises. Um, And don't forget the impact of this budget was lessened by the fact that there were 14 budget style events since COVID started. Now, I didn't didn't count those 14, but the Institute of Fiscal Studies did count them. Anyway, um, safe to say that there weren't any upsets either. And I think we saw that in the price action of bonds and equity markets. They basically took it in their stride. FTSE 100 and gilt yields are broadly flat over the week. I do, however, think that it was a significant budget, um, significant in that there was huge potential to slip up on a banana skin. So for Rishi Sunak, it's been a balancing act between three things, between spend now, tax later and win re-election. Hmm, Robert, spend now, tax later, win re-election. That's quite an interesting way of of dividing the budget into three chunks. Um, Let's maybe take each one at a time. Let's start with spend now. And and I guess that's probably the the most obvious part of of the budget. Yeah, Okay. Well, in terms of spending, um, the OBR, the Office of Budget Responsibility, their forecasts have changed. Um, They now forecast that spending is going to increase in the medium term over what was baked in before. So we know the lifelines have been extended. Um, For example, the stamp duty... Uh, has been extended and the mortgage guarantee scheme. So these together should help prevent a a correction in the housing market. The furlough extension should also prevent a sharp increase in unemployment. Businesses actually got a bit of a treat from Rishi and that's his investment super deduction scheme. I mentioned on a previous pod that business investment is one to watch for this recovery and the fact that businesses can write off 130% of an investment against tax means that they can bring forward all that investment in machines, computers, robots, uh, everything they've been contemplating buying, they can now bring forward. And I think this policy alone is forecast in terms of construction to get construction back to pre-COVID levels by the end of this year. It'll bring forward all that investment in refurbishing heating systems, electrical systems and aircon upgrades. 
Okay, so, so that's, that's quite a nice little start there. Super deduction policy forecasted to bring the construction back to pre-COVID levels by the end of this year. Interesting. So then you mentioned tax later. Uh, I suppose you mean uh, paying the debt off, uh, presumably through corporation tax predominantly. Absolutely. So raising corporation tax to 25% is, on the face of it, it's not a very business-friendly policy. Um, but it is noteworthy that this rate is still the lowest in the G7. So Britain remains, uh, at least in corporation tax terms, an attractive location for foreign companies to invest. And then there was the freezing of the income tax thresholds. So this will stealthily bring about 3 million new taxpayers into the net by 2026 and push many more into high rate tax band as well. Now, will will these measures be enough to start reducing the debt? Well, the OBR thinks so, um, but that's provided we get the economic recovery that they forecast. And then there was that, that final bit that perhaps was maybe the less obvious part of the, in the, of the budget, which you referred to as winning, the re, winning re-election. But surely this is just the spend now policy, i.e. You, know, you just keep the economy going, keep everyone happy, you win the re-election. Am I, am I being too simplistic here? Well, I do agree that keeping the housing market propped up and getting unemployment down will go a long, long way to getting the Conservatives re-elected. Um, but this is a really, really broad topic, and, and this, I think the budget can't really solve that um, either way at the moment. Um, what the Conservatives also need to deliver on are the election promises to level up the country. Um, there's much, much more to do uh, in terms of that. There's already some plans to increase spending in areas, particularly areas that flipped from Labour to Conservative in the last election, but there's, there's clearly much, much more to do, and there's not much money available to, to do it. Okay, Robert, and and, and final thing from me, and, you know, you briefly mentioned it a bit earlier when we're talking about tax later, but, you know, debt levels are extremely high uh, going going from here. Rishi talked about how we're going to pay that through in in, in the future. But do we even need to worry about debt at this stage? Well, in theory, it does need to be paid back um, eventually. Um, And the amount that needs paying back is now about 100% of GDP um, or about two trillion pounds. Um, But as as Rishi said in his speech, it will take many governments many decades to pay back. Um, Call that kicking the can down the road if you like. Um, But with borrowing rates so low, there's no urgency to pay that off. And while they remain low, the debt can be rolled over at minimal cost. Plus, the Bank of England is going to be a willing partner, um, both in mopping up the debt as part of its quantitative easing programmes, um, and also being willing to run the economy a little bit hot in terms of inflation, in the, at least in the short term. So we do expect inflation to approach the, the Bank of England's 2% target um, this summer. Um, and inflation is the best way to erode a debt, a debt burden. Now, the risk to this is that gilt yields that have actually ticked up uh, over the last month, um, the gilt yields rise such that the cost of rolling over that debt becomes prohibitive. Um, and that's an area that the investment team is going to have to keep a close eye on. So there you have it. A budget summarised as spend now, tax later and win re-election. That's it from me today. I'll be back again next week. Remember that the Monday Investment Club is available every Monday. Thanks for tuning in. The Monday Investment Club is brought to you by Omnis Investments, which is authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority.